The following talk was given at Mile High Church in Lakewood, Colorado. Please visit our website at milehighchurch.org. Continuing on in our uh, 2018 Adventures in Faith, our theme is Bridges to Breakthrough. And uh, we're uh, creating inner spiritual bridges, bridges from breakdown to breakthrough, from pain to possibility, uh, from the past to the future, and from where we are to where we can be. And as we're doing this, we're also bridging Mile High Church into its next chapter of growth and greatness. Uh, as At the same time, we're equipping ourselves with the techniques by which we can deal masterfully with change whenever it moves forth in our lives, as it will. So we have a bridge up here, and each week we're putting a plank, one of seven planks, into this bridge. Seven steps uh, from where we are to where we can be. Now, uh, we have a lot of materials in this. If you weren't here last week, given our cold and snow, uh, you can get this wonderful comp- uh, commemorative bulletin showing Fred and me fishing. Um, and, of course, I've caught that big fish there, which I'm renowned as a fisherman uh, in doing so. Uh, but other, all of the materials are available out at the booths out there. And you've been given a feather, and I just invite you to hold on to that. And uh, we'll talk about that later on. Which brings me to one of my favorite stories. It's about a much-beloved pope. It's beloved by the people. Oh, centuries ago, beloved, beloved. But then the pope wasn't feeling well, and, and the doctors attending him said, Pope, your heart, it's, uh, it's very bad, very bad. You, you need a new heart. Well, word of that went out, and, and people jammed into St. Peter's Square, and they were yelling, Pope, a pope, a take my heart. Pope, a pope, a take my heart. And the, the outpouring was so amazing that the, the key cardinals and the pope huddled, and they prayed, and they said, well, if one of the people is God, it's God's will for them to give us our heart, we should, we should let that happen. How would we choose, they wondered. And then inspiration hit. The Pope will stand up on a balcony and throw out a feather, and whoever it lands on will have the honor of giving their heart uh, to the Pope. And so they announced this to the world, and all who would be there, whoever that feather landed on, would have the honor of giving their heart and would be proclaimed a saint as well. And so the appointed day came. And the Pope stepped out on that balcony. The place was filled, St. Peter's Square, with people. And he threw out that feather, and the breeze picked it up, and it floated out, and it began to fall. And the people were chanting, Pope, Pope, take my heart! Pope, Pope, take my heart! We gave you a feather just so I could tell that story. No, 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 it has, a, it has a greater significance, and God willing, we'll get there to this. So we have the first two steps in place in terms of our bridging, bridging to breakthrough territory. The first step is accepting change, and, and the virtue that's essential for that is courage. And then the second step last week, honoring feelings. And the essential virtue is honesty. And so, as you can see, we've got those first two steps courage and then honesty in place in our bridge. And so to, to really be accepting change as something natural and needed in life for the evolution of life, including our own, and then honoring uh, the feelings that come up amidst change uh, and, and knowing that those two are natural and, and a beautiful part of our beingness, these feelings. Uh, and uh, also to understand that we have to do good grieving in our life when it's the season for that, that grieving. If we don't, 
do good grieving, uh, then we tend to rob our paths, rob our future of joy and, and of, dear, of deep meaning. But the truth is we don't have to get stuck in the grieving. We just need to let it flow through us. As I shared last week, there's this Chinese proverb that says, you cannot prevent the birds of sorrow from flying over your head, but you can prevent them from building nests in your hair. <laughs> and so that's letting the grieving happen in a natural way. So with those first two steps, accepting change and honoring feelings, that brings us perfectly to the next step, which is embracing transformation. Embracing transformation. Now to some, the notion of embracing the transforming of their lives seems dangerous, way, way too dangerous, Uh, even nonsensical, you know. Um, Because, you know, truthfully, most folks are really about resisting change, and, and solidifying security and avoiding endings as much as possible. But you know, the key thing is that you can't have breakthroughs and you can't have newness without endings. You've got to have them. I remind you of the metaphor I used a couple of weeks ago of the caterpillar on the way to being a butterfly. And as a caterpillar at this critical point, Certain imaginal cells that hold the pattern of the higher organism are activated uh, and they're no longer dormant. And, and initially the, the immune system of the caterpillar fights these imaginal cells, tries to destroy them. And yet they bond together these cells and they exchange information and gain momentum uh, until the caterpillar arrives at what scientists call critical unworkability. It's no longer workable to remain in that lesser form and then a momentous thing occurs. That caterpillar dissolves into a fluid. And that allows the metamorphosis to move forward to its successful completion. You know, when we stop fighting change and endings, and when we stop denying the feelings of fear or sadness or pain... When we stop all of that, what's left? It's to dissolve, to let go, and to move into transformation. What's left is an inspired kind of surrender. We are called in the midst of the changes and challenges of our life to surrender. And that is the virtue for this step of embracing transformation It is the virtue, the power of surrender. Surrender. Now, in um, our New Thought teachings, there's this wonderful concept. It's, It's called the upper progressive movement of the spirit. The upper progressive movement of the spirit that there is at the heart of all life, since intrinsically all life is born of the spirit, there is an evolutionary thrust. There is an intention to grow and to expand and to express more intelligence and livingness. And, and that evolutionary thrust is at work in your life and mine as well. Now, when changes and challenges come into our lives, difficulties come into our lives, this upper progressive movement of the spirit in you and me becomes a transformational catalyst that takes those challenges, those difficulties, those changes, and, and allows us to grow and become extraordinarily 
through them, by means of them. And so again, there's such a great power in surrendering to this upper progressive movement of the spirit, most especially when things seem shaky or there's challenges afoot. Now, I know that for a whole lot of folks, just me mentioning that word, surrender, uh, people don't like it. A whole lot of folks say, well, that's, that's weakness. That is a definite sign of weakness. Actually, I, I hold a different sense of that. That actually, a spiritually inspired surrender is a portal to our real greatness to the power for good in the universe greater than we are, for that upper progressive movement of the spirit to work in our lives. In the book I wrote, This Life is Joy, I have a whole chapter on surrender, and I think it's magnificent. And so I want to share, <laughs> I want to share a little bit from this. In it I say, surrender, rather than giving up, is flowing with and opening into It is attuning to the wisdom and the possibilities that are being obstructed by resistance and forcing. Surrender is higher level allowing, allowing something better to emerge. It is allowing higher energies to work through us and to use us. It is an absolute faith that something greater and more wonderful than we realize is available to flow into our experience. If we are willing to welcome it skillfully and let it be. So you see, surrender is accessing something greater than our own personal understanding or our own personal uh, energies and intelligence. And it's, it's allowing ourselves to be augmented and expanded by this one life, this infinite intelligence and power in which we live, move, and have our being. But the thing about it is that rather than surrendering to this upper progressive movement of the spirit in every one of us, the tendency, as I said, is to resist change and and cling to our attachments, cling to our attachments to people, uh, to things, to situations, uh, to desired outcomes, to cling to those, and then also to stay stuck, to stay, stay stuck in old stories about our life, to stay stuck in conclusions about our possibilities and negative self-concepts. And you know, this syndrome of resisting change and getting so stuck really has a physiological basis to it as well. You know, about 200,000 years ago, humanity brought forth something that would lift it up among species And that was a very powerful brain. Now, initially, 200,000 years ago, the brain that came forth is what is now called the old brain or the primitive uh, limbic brain. And and this this primitive brain is, is really concerned with physical and emotional survival. That's its deep wiring. And so it then sees the world and everything about it as predatory. It's coming to get us. And it hates change. The limbic or animal brain hates change. 
And it is constantly reminding us, and maybe you've had this experience, reminding us of our failures and our need to stay safe because of them. See, you screwed up there, so don't ever move to the edge again. It's the brain of our beliefs and our emotions. It twists our experience to justify staying limited. And more than anything, it is wired around fear and separation. Everything being separated and different and thus a threat. So that's the primitive brain. And we didn't just jettison it when we moved to a higher level. It's still here. And it's still in us. And it still acts. However, 50,000 years ago, another dimension of the brain came forth and was activated. And it's called the new brain or the neocortex. And, and it opened up higher thinking states. But also it, it opened up a sense of cooperation and, and affiliation and collaboration. This, this new brain was the foundation for the arts and for the emergence of science and democracy and mysticism. All are functions of this higher brain, which is wired not so much about separation and fear, but with a sense of interconnectedness and oneness. And that was a great leap forward, evolutionary leap for humankind, the awakening and activating of this new brain. But the challenge is that we still have the old brain, and we are still, in many cases, dominated by this old brain. It's our default programming, especially when change or challenges or difficulties emerge in our lives. What tends first to get triggered are elements of the old brain and its neural wiring fires up and tends to influence us. And that's what brings us to this place of resisting the change or lashing out against the change or, or seeking to retreat and hide out or rush back to the old and the familiar rather than embarking into something new or, or looking at higher perspectives about what's going on. Now, the, the good news about this is that if we understand that there's an instinctual wiring to defend and to lash out and to retreat and all of that fear-based stuff, if we understand that, then through intention and awareness, we can kickstart the higher brain and access through that our higher spiritual capacities, which are not confined to the brain, but use it as like a computer. And so we have this opportunity to understand that when change or difficult times come into our life, we've got to watch the initial instincts. Because the initial instincts are to, first of all, react negatively because it's unknown or it's ambiguous. And then to define it as a threat. Okay? To define it as a threat and to expect the worst. And then to let that old brain coding lead us to lashing out or retreating to the old and familiar. And thus we block and sabotage our greater becoming and our greater opportunities that are always available, even in the midst of our greatest difficulties and times of great change. So that's why today our focus is on an inspired surrender. I'm calling it full-out, spirit-led surrender. It's like giving up those lesser impulses, understanding that that wiring is our deepest programming, and accessing something higher. Full-out, spirit-led 
surrender. And I really feel like there are three components to this. There's trusting, leaping, and caring. Let's talk about the trusting aspect of this. There comes a time when we distrust our defensiveness and our reactivity, our taking things personally, our hurtful and hateful judgments of people and things. Because we see what it reaps in our life. I mean, we see the consequences. And we start to distrust that, which is really understanding that that deep wiring is not our limitation, and it, it produces what we don't really want in our lives. And we begin to decide it's time to trust something more. And that actually activates not only a, the neocortex and the prefrontal cortex, but it also accesses our higher spiritual capacities. And so this path of surrendering is not just doing something outrageous and impulsive. Surrendering, first of all, is based in taking some quiet time with yourself. You know, quieting this mind and listening. Be still and know, it says. And as we listen in the quietude, it's about exploring a higher story for our lives than that which is embedded in the old brain that's fraught with all that didn't work out and all we didn't do and who did what to us and all that stuff. And, and it's, it's being available in this inner quietude to the stirrings and the signals that might want to come forth to guide us on our path. See, so surrendering is a spiritual practice that begins in the quiet, in the inner life, and then it can move into expression because it's also trusting the guided life. Now, here's where a whole lot of people check out. I'm not going to trust this guided life stuff because um, if I don't understand it and can't figure it out, um, then I'm not going to do it. I mean, I'll go forward, but if it, I've got to have a roadmap and a plan and I've got to know where the rest stops are along the way <laughs> and all of that good stuff before I go there. And so how many ways we sabotage this possibility that we're designed to lead a deeply guided life. But we don't trust it so often. We're designed to lead a deeply guided life. But we let our fears sabotage that. Our sense of the past sabotage that. Oh, and we let the idea that, well, it's not sensible. <laughs> to sabotage us as well. But we're designed to lead a deeply guided life because that's how the serendipity and the miracles of life can show up. It's when we let go of our rigid control of the blasted thing and understand that there's something greater, this high upper progressive movement of the spirit that wants to express by means of us. Let me tell you about a guy that I think exemplifies this kind of guided life. And there's so many examples to choose from, but I like the story of Michael Singer because he recounts it in a book aptly titled The Surrender Experiment. And he talks about a time early in his life as a young man. He'd gotten out of graduate school. But he realized that he didn't really want to pursue that particular career, but what he really felt he needed was simply to meditate in the woods for a certain amount of time, to be quiet. And so he bought 10 acres in Florida 
And uh, he began to do that. Uh, he built a small house on this property, and that's what he did. He, he spent his time in contemplation and quiet. And it was in that time that he made a decision to lead his life differently than he had, and differently than he saw happening around him. He decided to lead a guided life. He decided that he was going to surrender controlling it all. He was going to surrender his judgments about things that were coming forth, especially the opportunities that showed up on his doorstep. He was going to release that. And he was going to surrender and move forward in a guided way, moment by moment. It's much as Erica teaches in her improv work, the principle of yes and, that when anything shows up in a scene... The actors say yes to it. They don't fight it. They don't change it. They don't try to control it. And then they add creativity to it. And that's much, that's leading this kind of a life. Is he said, whatever comes forward, it's a yes, and then I'll go forward. And so as he made that decision, things began to happen. Um, he was asked by a college uh, president who knew he had graduated in economics to coach him on how to run his college better economically, business wise. So it came into his experience. He said yes to it. And then he was offered a part-time teaching position at that college. And he hadn't planned on that, but he said yes to it. And then, as he imparted some of the things he was learning on, in his spiritual life to his students, his classes grew so phenomenally that students started showing up at his little retreat, his little 10 acres, wanting to meditate with him and and learn from him. And so he said yes to that. And then he started hosting traveling spiritual teachers and gurus at, at this place. And, and that just seemed to flow. And he said yes to that. None of this could he have planned, you understand. And then um, others around him said, you know, it's time that you have an organized center. So he said yes to that. And in 1975, he founded the Temple of the Universe, where he would do his teaching. And uh, so as he did that, he built some buildings on his site to house this, this operation. And he did them so well and uniquely that people from the outside community started coming to him and saying, would you build something for me? I need a house built or I need a business built here. And so he founded Built With Love Construction Company. Hadn't planned on that in his life, but he just kept saying yes to the flow. You get what I'm saying? And so he started doing that. And then in 1978, he walked into a radio shack electronics store and saw one of the first personal computers out and he loved that something within him says here's something follow this so he bought one and he started learning how to program do programming and creating software first thing he did was he wrote a software program an accounting program for his business and then a medical sales company came to him and said would you create a, a software for our business and he just kept saying yes and he wrote that software and then he founded two companies one a medical manager became a 300 million dollar a year company and again none of this planned he just kept saying yes to what showed up well, in 2003, some of the people he'd entrusted to run the company had made some poor decisions, and the FBI raided the company, and, and uh, there was a securities fraud indictment. But later it was dropped, and, and Michael says he even used that for his spiritual development. So at this part of his life, he decided in the, uh, in the second, or this next millennium here, around 2005, it was time to even focus more on his teaching, and he wrote a book called The Untethered Soul, 
which has been translated into 30 languages, sold millions of copies. In 2012, he was interviewed by Oprah. Uh, And uh, his life has been this series of being out of control in a high way, in a very powerful way, and surrendering, and just moving with what emerged and what shows up, leading what I would call a deeply guided life. And he says, the spiritual journey is one of constant transformation. In order to grow, you must give up the struggle to remain the same and learn to embrace change at all times. I would like for people to realize that if they're willing to, all the experiences of their life, good and bad, are tremendously exciting, unbelievable experiences for their growth and for making a very amazing life. Full-out, spirit-led surrender. Begins with trusting out of the silence, out of the depth of our being, that we can flow with what is, and greater and greater good will reveal itself. The next one is leaping. Leaping. I've been a student for a long time of Emerson. I, I love Ralph Waldo Emerson's writings. Taught a few courses on it. One of my favorite phrases, he says, people wish to be settled. It is only insofar as they are unsettled that there's any hope for them. And then he adds, life is a series of surprises. The way of life is wonderful. It is by abandonment. Abandonment. Yeah, there comes a time when change is on our doorstep, even losses, um, to honor those feelings and then let go and see what can unfold and present itself in this incredible, miraculous life of ours by abandonment. Not controlling or resisting, but abandonment. What might be for you? Have you ever thought of that? Have you ever wondered? What might be if I opened to that something greater working through me? What might be? I've also uh, really loved the poetry of Mary Oliver. She writes, One day you finally knew what you had to do. And you began, though the voices around you kept shouting their bad advice. But you didn't stop. You knew what you had to do. You ever had moments like that? Yeah, I did. Um, Back in December, when after many, many months of prayer around what's highest and best for this beautiful community, for Mile High Church, um, it became clear to me that in ways I could scarcely comprehend, it was time to let go of this role, of having done it 25 years, and to empower the new leadership that's so ready and and able to take us forward. And um, I, I knew that I had to do it. I didn't have the foggiest reason really why. And see, that's what gets in our way, isn't it? We need, we demand to know why. I think that question, why, is the booby prize of life. Because, you know, when do we ever really know that? But when there comes a time when you know what you have to do, and you've got to trust it. And it's not because I don't love my high church. I love it more than ever. And it's not because I don't love you, because I love you more than ever. But there are times when you know and you cease demanding more information. 
And you let go. And you let it be revealed. And that for me is kind of the excitement in all this, is that I have no idea what I'll do. But I know I'll still be teaching, and I'll still serve, and I'll still find a way, and I'll still support this place in a new role and in just a new presence out there with you guys. And uh, I'll see where life takes me. But I love this place too much to hang on too long. And I just trust it, because here's another philosophy I've lived by. There is no private good. There's no private good. So if this is good for me, it's got to be good for Mile High. If it's good for Mile High, it's got to be good for us. There's no private good. And so it's about surrendering and seeing what's involved in this deep seed of knowing that you finally knew what you had to do, as she writes. And you know what? If there's anything that I would love, it's that accepting this, which has been extraordinarily difficult to me, can support and empower you too in doing what your deep heart and soul know is right for you. Because this life is so exquisite. But you know, at another level, it's also so short. It's this little parenthesis in eternity called our time on this planet. And it's meant to be lived dynamically. We're not designed to be creatures oriented around safety and security alone. There's nothing wrong with a little bit of safety in our lives. But that's not why we're here. We're here to live full, out, outrageous, creative, unique lives. Isn't that right? And isn't that who you are? You're not just some slug sliding through life. I don't know where that came from. That wasn't in the first service. (laughs) But you bring it out in me, I think. No, we're here to have wings and to soar. That's what we're here for. So it's trusting, it's leaping, and it's caring. The path of surrender is equally the path of heart. It's about really caring for life itself, for the spirit within you. It's caring for others. It's a kind of caring that allows you to surrender the old brain responses of anger and judgment and defensiveness and and retreat and all those things. And to move into higher spaces. Such a beautiful thing to surrender with a space of heart guiding you. We just had a couple of days with Jack Cornfield, and he's such a beautiful soul. And he tells a story about a lieutenant uh, active in the, in the forces, armed forces who was at a grocery store and he was busy and he was in a hurry and he had a few items that he wanted to buy. He had his cart. And as he was in this long line, he noticed that up, up in the line a little further, there was an older lady and she had a baby in her arms and one item in her hand. And he immediately, because, you know, he was a guy and a guy that wanted, the rules must be followed. And things have to run efficiently in the way they're supposed to be. And this wasn't happening. I mean, he, he, all of a sudden, he's filled with frustrations. That lady's in the wrong line. There's an express line over there, and she got this baby and just one thing, and she's taken up time, and she shouldn't be here. And his frustration grew. And then as the line moved forward, when the lady got up to the clerk, a lot of people around the clerk and stuff started cooing and oogling over the baby. And that increased his frustration. And at one point, that older lady handed the baby to the lady grocery clerk and the lady grocery clerk kissed on the baby and was hugging it and it was all excited and everything like that and the guy is just about to go out of his skin. He is so frustrated with what is going on. 
Well, finally, it's his turn at the, at the checkout. And, and he says to the clerk, I've been so frustrated. You let a lady come through here with a baby in one item. She should have been in this other line. And why did you take that baby and, and waste all of our time back here? You're holding that baby and doing all this stuff. That's not the way it's supposed to work. And there was this pause, and the lady's eyes kind of got wet. And she said, well, I really apologize. But, you know, about a year ago, my husband, who was also in the armed forces, he was killed in Afghanistan. Since then, I've had to work full time. I apologize. That woman, that older woman, that's my mom, And once a day, she brings my baby to me so that I can connect with her while she's awake and hug on her and love on her. But I'm sorry for that. Well, (laughs) the judgments in the lieutenant kind of melted away and he found his passage out of the old brain and into the new brain and the higher brain. And he went away a transformed man. And I think that there are times we can surrender without that kind of an experience, but more with that intention that we embrace our life and the life of others with heart. And we surrender those lesser impulses that we might access something higher in the moment and lead that kind of a quality-guided life. So today really is about surrender. Now, you've been given a feather, and I know you've been sitting there wondering why, other than that horrible joke, Did we get this feather? You know, birds release feathers regularly and seemingly uh, without pain. And so this is a symbol of the ability to let go and yet still be lifted up. To let go of what doesn't work for you and still have the capacity to have wings to fly. If you ever find a feather, it's like a gift from the universe reminding us how miraculous our life is and how we can let go of what weights us down and we can really soar and be uplifted. So it's a symbol of letting go and receiving greater gifts. Thank you for listening to the Mile High Church podcast. This podcast is made possible by the generous contributions from listeners like you. If you'd like to make a donation, text 720-230-1404 or visit us at milehighchurch.org.